when we get self out of the way. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of 2 Corinthians this morning. On a couple Wednesday nights ago, I began a study through the book of 2 Corinthians. I know many, 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 many of you are working on Wednesday night in Awana and all the different ministries that go on. And, and you can't be here. You may want to go look at it. Matter of fact, if you have time and you really just want to in, enjoy a study that was good for me, and I think some of those on Wednesday night, back up to the last study and look at the study in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 on the changes that we're going to go through. I think you'll be thoroughly encouraged if you back up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But we're moving into 2 Corinthians now. If you're, if you're able to, certainly be on here on Wednesday nights. But uh, I feel like this is one that the Lord would have me look ahead. I'm going to be in the ninth chapter, which is many, many, many weeks ahead in our Wednesday night study. But we're going to do this on a Sunday morning. Um, I'll go ahead and tell you, and I'll share why a little bit later, but I can go ahead and tell you that 80% of you in here are not going to like this message. I can go ahead and write that one down. I'll tell you why in just a little bit. But I want to bring a message this morning entitled, It's Not About Money. It's About Faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse number 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness which causes through us thanksgiving to God. God, thank you so much for your word. I thank you for every word in it from in the beginning to amen. God, I thank you for the, the two-edged sword that it is. I thank you, God, for the way that it divides. I thank you for the way that it cuts rough edges off of me and continues to work. And God, I pray this morning, Lord, I pray you'd teach us, your people, something. I pray you'd help us to walk out of here a better servant, that you might pour your blessings out. And everyone represented in this building today, God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We live in not just in the music world and not just in one church versus another church world and not just in how we dress and how they dress and, and, and those types of world, but we live in the day of finger-pointing and accusations. We live in the day it's raining outside, and we'll certainly joke at their expense and have fun because it rains, so many people decided not to come to church, and that's the way it does. In some cases, we'll sit and talk about those who didn't come to church this morning and, and how they sin because they forsook the assembling of ourselves as the manner of some is, all the more so as you see the day approaching. And people will talk about how they sin because they laid out the house of God, but they'll overlook their own sin while sitting at the lunch table right after church, gossiping about somebody that was here. We live in a day where we like to accuse and point and make accusations. And we like to condemn those who are homosexuals and condemn those who are adulterers and condemn those who are thieves while all the time overlooking our own gossiping. 
overlooking backbiting, overlooking the fact that many of us are robbers ourselves. We'll condemn people for lying, even though many of us at many occasions have been known to stretch the truth our own selves. The bottom line is sin is sin. God doesn't see big sins and little sins. God does not see adultery any different than he sees sowing discord among the brethren. It's a sin. God, God doesn't view things. He doesn't separate sins one from the other. It's just sin. There's no levels of sin. There's no big sin, little sin, high sins, low sins. There's just sin. And sin is separation from God. But possibly one of the easiest, maybe even one of the most frequent and overlooked sins that probably most every one of us in this place commit more often than we'd like to admit is a sin of ingratitude, of showing a true thankfulness for all that God has done for us. Anybody here this morning can say, God's been good to me? A couple of people. I thought there might be. Anybody might would say, well, God has been gracious to me. I thank God for his grace. God, God has been so good and he's given us so much. Well, in order to get the fullness of the text, let me back up and catch verse 1 real quick. The first few before verse 6. It says, for as touching the ministering, I'm still in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm just at verse 1. Touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know the frowardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them at Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet I've sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that, as I said, ye may be ready, lest haply if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we, that we say not ye, should be ashamed in the same confidence of boasting. Paul says, I, I've been bragging on you guys. I've been bragging on you to the church at Macedonia. I've been telling people how faithful you are in your giving. See, you've got to look back into the first letter that Paul wrote at the church at Corinth because he told them to take up an offering weekly. He told them to bring into the storehouse weekly. He told them to bring what we call tithes into the storehouse weekly. And he said, I've been bragging on you about how good you do. I told you to take it in weekly so that when people come, you're able to meet the needs. You don't have to run out and take up an offering real quick to try to take care of somebody, but you might be prepared. And I've been bragging on what you do and I'm just letting you know now there's some people coming and, and I want to make sure that you're ready because I don't want to be embarrassed because I've been bragging on you and you get there and all of a sudden you ain't ready so I'm just letting you know but then he comes along in verse 6 and says he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully that's a really simple text to understand you don't need the Greek study right there. You don't need your, 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 your book. You don't need your Schofield. You don't have to do a word study. That's just really simple. You don't plant much seed in your garden. You ain't going to get much vegetables out of it. You don't put very much into it. You're just not going to get very much out of it. But he's talking about the church. And in the church, it's true. There are people who are going to walk out of here today and say, well, I just didn't get nothing out of that. Preacher's off his game this morning. I just didn't get, and they didn't have nothing to do with me. I prayed before I came in here. I studied all week before I came in here. Whether or not you get anything out of this will have nothing to do with me. It's whether or not did you bring anything in. 
You didn't bring any worship in the house. Don't be upset or bothered when you walk out and didn't get anything out. You didn't come in looking for nothing. And if you didn't bring any worship in, don't be surprised when the Holy Spirit don't pour something on you to take back out. The same thing's true in the money. Don't complain about selling tickets for things we do around here. Don't complain about all the fundraisers. Don't complain about the car washes. Don't complain about the lunches. Don't complain about the continual drives and selling T-shirts. Don't complain about all we're having to do to raise money. We're having to do all that because you ain't paying your tithes in the first place. You, you didn't bring anything into the house of God. Don't be upset by what's going on in the here. You have no right to say anything about what's going on in the house of God financially if you're not sowing into the ministry. If you're not putting anything in, don't expect anything out. But God loves a cheerful giver. And for the cheerful giver, God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That ye always having all sufficiency in all things. More than just if you're not giving, you don't have no reason to expect to be giving, but if you are hoarding what God has given to you, then how do you think God's going to bless you? How do you think God's going to hand you stuff if your hands are full? I can go and give you another one. That's fine. I'll empty my hands real quick. Let me run out and spend it upon, consume it upon my lust. God's not giving all this to you to consume it upon your lust that he may give you more. God is blessing you that you may bless others, that people may see Christ in us and Christ through us, so that then he might bless us more, so that we might bless others more, so that they might see Christ in us and Christ through us, so that he might bless us more, so that we can go bless more, so that he might see Christ in us and Christ through us, so that he might bless us more, so that we might go bless others more, so that they might see Christ in us and Christ through us, so that he might bless us more, so that... Y'all ain't got that yet. The more we give out, the more we do in this community, the more we pour Christ into this community, the more Christ will pour himself into this church, the more he'll pour himself into you and I. God wants us to take what we've got and be a blessing to others. God's just waiting on you and I to do the first part. God's just waiting on you and I to fill the first part. That part from Malachi chapter 3 verse 8, will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, where have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings? You're cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I'll not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. I preached a message back in January, and I used the same passage. It was titled, When You Can't See Your Way Out. It wasn't too long ago, so you remember me using this passage, but I used two personal pronouns in there, ye and me. That's the two that God used. Ye have robbed me. If it wasn't important to God, he wouldn't have bothered to write it down. So I take it the fact that he put in there, it it must mean something. I said in that message that when we rob God, we set off a chain reaction of robberies. When we rob God, we rob by not putting into the house of God. And and that certainly robs the house of God from the ability to be able to minister the way that God wants us to minister. 
But it also robs God of the blessing. It doesn't rob him of finances. You can't take from God what's already his. It, what it robs God of is it robs him of the blessing that he so richly desires to give to you. It robs him of the blessings that he wants to bountifully pour out. It robs him of the blessings of opening the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. You're not robbing God of money. It's his. He owns it all anyway. What you're robbing God is, is the, the desire that he has to bless you. To see you serve him so that he might open the windows of heaven. God's blessing are tied to our giving. I said God's blessings are tied to our giving. God blesses a cheerful giver. Parents, can I stop and plug one in right here real quick? If you're not teaching your children to tithe, you're setting them up for failure. I thank God for a mom that handed me that little envelope every week. Here, put this in the plate. He just taught me to put it in. I thank God for mom and dad. I go to work with daddy. They make money and they, they pay me at the end of the week. Say, this is what you made. Now, how much of that belongs to the Lord? All of it. That's the truth. How much have you give out? And they made sure, so they taught a principle. If you want your children to grow up faithful in service to the Lord, teach your children what God's word says. In every area of their life. Anyway, I, I, I kind of get it. I know some of you probably already written me off already. Some of you already opening your Facebook right about now. Close it back for just a minute. Don't, don't start surfing the Internet just yet. Those of you on TV, you just picked up the remote. You just fixing to change the channel. I caught you just in time. Put it down. Hang on just a minute. Don't, don't do it. Live stream, I get it. They unroll the mouse. They just fixing. I've heard enough about this. I always preaching about that money. I hate when a preacher preaches about money. All the time talking about money. Well, well don't change the channel just yet. Y'all, y'all, don't, y'all don't go to sleep just yet. Because I'm talking about tithing. But I'm not talking about money. Two or three of you heard what I said. I'm talking about tithing. But I'm not talking about money. So if you think tithing is all about the money, you need to go back and study this book some more. You need to go back and study your Bible. You need to go back and study God's Word because it's not about money. It's about faith. It's about trust. It's about obedience. It's about stewardship. It's about gratitude. It's about things like servanthood. See, tithing is not about money because God don't need your money. Let me, let me, let me change the way I said that. It's not about tithing because God doesn't need money. I said your money, but you don't have any money. I mean, I literally don't have any money like you probably don't need it, but that's beside the point. <laughs> Everything you have belongs to him. That, that house that you woke up in this morning, that car that we rode here in this morning, these threads that we put on this morning, that food that we ate this morning, that coffee that your auto perker popped up and had ready for you and you got up this morning, all that stuff belongs to God. God does not need your money. God already owns everything. What you have is his. He gives it all. Psalms chapter 50 verse 9, he said, I'll take no bullock out of thine house, nor he goes out of thy folds, for every beast of the forest is mine. And the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountain and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine. 
and the fullness thereof. God is not in need of your money. That's not what the tithe is about. The tithe is an opportunity for you to show God how much you love him. It's an opportunity for you to show God how much you trust him. It's an opportunity for you to show your faith. And the only people that are upset in here this morning are those that aren't tithing. So let me ask you a question. When you have a problem, you have a sickness, you have a need, any kind of problem. When you have a problem, do you go to God in prayer and pray about it? Why? Because his word told us to. So when we have a need, when we want something, we obey the scripture. And, and so, so we go because he told us to. Psalms chapter 55 verse 22 says, cast thy burden upon the Lord. And he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Chapter 20, verse 15, call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all you care upon him, for he careth for you. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So, so let me ask you this. Do you think that God wants us to come to him in prayer and tell him about our problems so that he'll know about our problems? <laughs> God doesn't need us to tell him about our financial situation. He already knows about it. God doesn't need us to, to tell him that, that our marriage is struggling, our home is struggling. He already knows about it. God doesn't need us to come tell him about a job situation. He already knows about it. God doesn't need us to tell him about a sickness or a health problem or heaven. God already knows about it. It's not about making God aware of the problem. It's about coming to him in faith because of the problem. It's just coming to him in faith. And the same thing is true in the tithe. God does not need money. What God desires is that you and I trust him in the fullness of faith. There are a few things in our lives that get our attention quicker than money. There's few things that we struggle with about being faithful as much so as we do in the area of money. It's not about the money. It's about the faith. God cannot and God will not bless open sin. God forbid. But let's just say you went home today. Somebody had broken into your house. Stolen everything out of your house that you call yours. Would you feel like you'd been robbed? Would you feel like stuff had been taken from you that it was rightfully yours and they had no right to it? Would you feel like they had broken the laws of man? Would you feel like they had broken the laws of God? Why? Because thou shalt not steal. So, so if they've broken the laws of God because they have stolen then you and I are doing the same thing when we steal from God. Another question. How many of you want God to bless you? Bless your family, bless your home, bless your finances, bless your life, bless your walk, bless your Christian life. Use you as a big witness to others. We want to be used by God. We want to be blessed by God. 
How many of you know that even though your salvation is not of works, lest any man should boast, it still required a work that you be saved? You had to open your own heart. You had to say, Lord, I am a sinner and I confess my sins. I'm asking you, God, to be Lord of my life. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins, cleanse me, and save my soul. Jesus did the miracle, but you had to have a part in it. You know in the story where Jesus fed the 5,000 men plus women and children? Y'all know the story, right? Jesus did the miracle, but the lad had to give his lunch. And the disciples had to hand out all the baskets exactly the way that Jesus told them to do it. In the first recorded miracle of Jesus Christ, Jesus and the disciples attended a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, came to him. And, and he said, they're out of wine. And Jesus said, what's that got to do with me? She looked at the men and said, whatsoever he saith, do it. And he said, go get the vases. Go get the vessels. Go get the pots. Not a few. That means get all you can find. Go find the pots, you fill them up, and you bring them back full of water. And Jesus turned the water into wine. And the second wine was better than the first wine. Jesus did the miracle. Jesus turned the water into wine. But they had to go get the pots, and they had to fill them up with water. The ten lepers, they wanted to be cleansed. Jesus said, go, show thyself unto the priest. And the Bible says, as they went, they were cleansed. Jesus did the miracle, but they had to follow the instruction. Naaman the leper was healed of leprosy, but, but he was told to go dip in the Jordan River seven times. God did the miracle, but Naaman had to go get in the river. Jairus' daughter, we do up there in the Easter play, Jesus Christ raised her from the dead. Jesus did the miracle, but Jairus had to come right down here on this stage and get Jesus to go up there. Joshua chapter 3, they came to the Jordan River. They needed to cross over to get into the promised land. They're just about to cross over. They've been wandering for 40 years, and they're about ready to cross over to the other side. And God heaped the water upstream. God parted the Jordan River. God heaped it in flood season upstream so that the children of Israel might walk across on dry land. And God told them, take one stone for each of the 12 tribes. Take 12 stones and put them on the other side as a memorial that you might go back and tell your children what great things I did for you. As a memorial that you might go back and talk about the day that I heaped the Jordan River upstream and you walked across the river on dry land but before God heaped that river upstream he said you take the priest and take the ark of the covenant and you step into the water they had to get in the water before all I'm telling you is God wants you to participate in your miracle and if you want God to open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there be not room enough to receive it you have to participate in your miracle you just have to do what God says. God has an unlimited supply. He's never going to run out. You don't have to worry about there not being enough. But there are limits as to what God will do. And those limits are controlled by what we do. I preached a message, don't miss your miracle. Jesus wants to be a blessing. But you know, just as sure as I'm preaching today. There's those that's going to be sideways about what I'm preaching on. Just as sure as I'm talking about it, some of them ain't going to like it. That tells me a little bit about your relationship right there. You can't ask if you want to. It ain't on me. 
you, you can't get upset with the preacher of God preaching the word of God if you're in the will of God. That's about as simple as I know how to put it. I, I don't write this stuff. I read this stuff. I study this stuff. And God says, tell them this stuff. Not one of my more favorite subjects. But it's what God gives us. Today, people don't want to tithe. But they'll waste their hard-earned money playing the lottery. Blows my mind. Blows my mind. They, they will work their behinds off for money. And they won't follow God's word where he can bless them. But they'll go waste it on these stupid lotteries. Oh, I ain't supposed to say stupid. I ain't gotten in trouble for that before. It was by one of the young ones she ain't in here. These stupid lottery tickets. And what gets me, do you know most of the people that play the lottery are the ones that can't afford to play it? And they're pouring their money into it, hoping to win millions. How many do you know? How many do you know walked off your job site in the last couple of months because I hit it big. I want a half a million dollars. How many do you know that quit? Take this job and shove it. How many do you know? How many do you know that's moving out of your community and hitting? How many know? First thing you know, old Jed's a millionaire. First thing. How many do you know? How many? It was crazy. They win a $20 scratch-off every once in a while. Sometimes they hit it big, 100, 200 bucks, but they're not mathematicians. They don't look at the thousands of dollars that they spent to get it. They'd have been better off to just pay their tithe. They got a better chance of walking out there getting hit by a car than they do winning the lottery today. You got a better chance to get struck by lightning five times before sundown today with the sun shining than you do to win the lottery. But they go out and they pour their money into the lottery. Do you know why they can afford to give away three quarters of a million dollars? Because poor people have put in billions of dollars. It's not that hard to figure out. It's not a 100% give back. They're not giving you back all that you put in. They are stealing from you and, and people are crazy enough to just keep doing it. I guess it's not stealing if knuckleheads give it to them. <sighs> why am I preaching on the lottery anyway? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll put into something that they have no chance of winning. But they will not sow into something that has a 100% guarantee. They will not sow into something that is 100% guaranteed to return in this life and for all of eternity. Our text says, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. That is our expectation of what we can expect. We don't put much in, we shouldn't expect much out. But verse number 7, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. The Greek word used there for purposeth is a word that means to purpose, to choose, or to plan. That means that our giving is to be planned. I wonder how many people learned something in the Dave Ramsey class a few weeks ago, the, the Financial Peace University that so many took. I wonder how many people learned something in that class that, that Rich taught. I wonder how many people were challenged by God. I wonder how many people saw his challenge on how he came out of financial debt and is now doing extremely well and telling others how to do it. I wonder how many people took a challenge to, to follow the Lord. I wonder how many people are still doing that challenge today I wonder how many people are still following a commitment they made but in any way 
for those who have planned and brought their check this morning, or for those who planned and went to faithlagrange.com and gave online, or for those who planned and went out to that credit card machine and ran the card and, and put it in, for those who planned in their tithes and offering, God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Having all sufficiency does not mean that you'll always have a million dollars in your bank account. You're like me, and you'll never have a million dollars in your bank account. But what I do have is a father who has trillions of dollars in his account that says, I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about what's in your bank account. Your bank account don't matter. Your bank account's not the one that's important anyway. It's my bank account that matters. And God ain't never going to go broke. So he may not ever put it all in ours, but we'll always have enough. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor seed begging bread. God may give you just enough to get by sometimes, but he will give you just enough. But if we're in that season, it's because we're supposed to be learning something. He's teaching us something. It's not, it's not about how much you make. It's about how you manage what you make. It's about what you do with what you make. Money is one of the quickest ways that God can get our attention. <laughs> yeah, about four or five of them like that. I said money is the quickest way for God to get our attention. We make and overlook a lot of things. We make and write off a lot of things, but you let the money get tight, and we become prayer warriors. You let the payments stack right, stacked up right here, and you don't know how you're going to make them. You let the money get tight, and we start crying tears on the altar. Longest prayer we said last year was, God is great, God is good. Let us thank him for our food. But now, now that the money's tight, oh, God, I've served you faithfully, God. I need you to open the windows of heaven according to your word. Don't get to that verse unless you've done the first part. Don't, don't jump over to the promise if you've been skipping the commitment. Don't, don't, don't call God's hand unless you've been playing your hand. It's okay to call God's hand. If you feel like you've been doing right and you feel like God's doing wrong, ask him about it. I did. He took me in the house, took me to Job chapter 38, and I've been scared to ask him anything else. I thought he wasn't holding up his end of the stick. At 2 o'clock in the morning, we had a discussion about it, and I lost. But I learned something. I wasn't near as faithful as I thought I was. I wasn't doing near as good as I thought I was. God started letting me see a whole lot of things needed fixing in my life. So now I just keep looking in the mirror working on stuff. God help us. Purposeful, purposeful. Ties is on purpose. You don't accidentally, you don't accidentally decide whether to pay your tithes or not pay your tithes. It's on purpose. People say, but I can't afford the tithe. I don't have anything left. There's your whole problem in a nutshell. God don't want your leftovers anyway. He never asked you for 10% off the bottom. He don't want the sludge. He don't want you digging up the garbage. He says the first 10% of everything that I give you belongs to me. And if you give the first part to God, if you give the first 10% to God, then you can afford everything else because God will make sure of it because he just said he'd take care of you. But, but we want to take care of the other stuff and then bring God up last and we wonder why it's gone. That's not the way God said do it. Giving back to God what he's commanded is a personal decision. For God loveth the cheerful giver and God is able to make all grace abound toward you. 
that ye always having all sufficiency in all things abound to every good work. It's a personal thing between God and yourself. Remember in Matthew chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus preaches, don't blow a trumpet. Don't let everybody else know what you're doing. This isn't about you and them. Don't stand up and make sure everybody else knows what you're doing. You have your reward. Don't do it for the pat on the back. He said, don't let, don't let the left hand know what your right hand is doing. Just do it in secret, but make sure you do it. Make sure you do it according to the will of God. Mark chapter 12, Jesus, he sat over against the treasury and beheld in verse 41 how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. That's a fourth of a penny, for any of you that want to know that. She threw in a fourth of a penny, and he called to his disciples and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, that she ever want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. These guys are putting in bags of gold, bags of silver. They have their servants unloading camels and donkeys with bags of money, putting it into the treasury. She put in one-fourth of a penny, two mites. And Jesus said she put in more than anybody. Don't, don't that help you understand the concept right there? That it's not about money. They were putting in of the abundance of their wealth. Jesus said they're putting in a little bit. She put her whole self in. Doesn't that help you see the concept? It's not about the money. It's about the level of commitment. Well, I shared this a few years ago. I'll share it again because so many people said I never knew that. So I'll go ahead and tell you this real quick. If you make $500 in a week, 10% is $50. Pretty simple math. If you don't get to decide, well, I'm going to put $10 of it in missions, and I'm going to put 10 towards that Emerge Mick middle school trip they just did, and I'm going to send $10 down to that tornado victims. I've been seeing those relief funds on TV, and I'm going to put $10 into benevolence, and I'll put $10 in general admission. You don't get to do that. The tithe belongs to the Lord. That's not yours. You can give your 10 to the others, and that's awesome. That's called offering and God will bless your offerings. But the tithe belongs to the Lord. That means that first 50 goes straight into general admission. It's not yours to break up. You can do whatever else you want beyond that, and God will bless that. People say, well, you know, if God had just let me win that lottery, this church would be fine. God let me win that lottery. I put some money in this place. I'm sorry. That's hogwash. If you ain't putting it in it now, you ain't going to put it in it then. If you ain't putting 50 in out of your 500, you lost your mind if you think you'll write a $500,000 check just because you won $5 million. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in least is unjust also in much. There's certain things that you can do that can assure God's blessings on your life. God loveth the cheerful giver. He's able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always have an all-sufficiency and all things may abound to every good work. That's a promise. God keeps his promises. Bring you all the tithes of the storehouse that may be meat in mine house. Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing, I shall not be room enough to receive it. That's a promise. God always keeps his promises. There's another promise, Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's a promise, too. That's your promise. That's a promise that you can keep. That's a promise you can hold on to. That's a promise you can cling to if you're supporting that board over there. 
That has nothing to do with your tithe. Paul wrote that to the church at Philippi because they're the ones taking care of the missionaries. He said, hey, you want to take care of the missionaries? God will supply all your needs. Listen, you want to give to the Harmony House? You want to give American Cancer Society? All that stuff's great. You want to give to Relay for Life? You, you want to sow in things? All that stuff is great, but you cannot rob from God to do it. What's God's is God's. God said, I'm going to give you everything that you have. Everything that you have is yours. I'm even going to give you that first 10%. I'm giving you the whole 100%. All I'm asking is you give me a dime back out of a dollar. So that may be meat in my house. And I'm going to use that to reach the world. And I'm going to take that. And I'm going to bless you with it. That part's mine. For many of us, things we, things we do, the things we do here at the church, and, and all for, for many of us, we, we have to sell the tickets and do all that we do. To, to try to do it, but I, I told you earlier that 80% of you in here this morning, you're not going to like this message. You can sit there with a down look on your face and your arms fold and be as mad as you want to be. But I told you before I started, 80% of you won't like this message. And you want to know how I know? I don't know who you are. Miss Sylvia's sitting right there. You can ask her. I don't know who ties five cents in here. Don't make no difference to me. I don't want to know. You know why? I love you all the same. And I'm not going to let a dollar change that for me. So I don't know who does what. It doesn't matter to me. I'm just preaching the truth. But here's what I do know. I did, however, do some checking and run some numbers based on an average annual income and what you suspect people make. And what I do know is that this church is just like the national average. Less than 20% of the people sitting in this building are tithers. That means 80% of you are really uncomfortable right about now. That means that 80% of you right about now know that you're the ones robbing God. That means that 80% of you right now know that you're the one that he's talking about when he said, will a man rob God? But you did. That means that 20% of you in here can go home, jump up and down, shout, have a hallelujah fit, run on down to Longhorn, get your big old steak, run, get you some fried chicken. Matter of fact, there's a hookup. Where'd she go? There's a hookup right over there from Kroger. Run up and get you some fried chicken. Just go somewhere and get something good and rejoice. Because if you're doing the things that God said, God will supply your needs. 20% of you can say amen. Been there, done that. I've seen God show up when nobody else could. Just on the day when I thought I was going to lose it all. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, Jesus walked in. Oh, I've been there. Haven't we been there, Rich Pipe? Haven't we been there? Wasn't we there 2006, 7, and 8? Yeah, I, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to lose over a million dollars in a year. I know. I know what it's like to be a million and a half dollars in debt. Don't have a job. I know. But I ain't never lost one car. I ain't never lost one house. And it ain't got nothing to do with Donald Yancey, Robin Yancey, or even Earl Yancey. It's got everything to do with the Son of the living God that showed up when I had learned the lesson I was supposed to learn and did the things I was supposed to do and kept on tithing on money I wasn't making. God showed up and restored some things, and he made all things new again. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. But God said, you want to see that blessing? Prove me now herewith. God said, this one area, you put me to the test. Think about what we do. Think about he's alive for free. Think about judgment journey. Dollar night and $5 weekend. But if you took that out and did 
That's only $141,000 worth of people come through last year. We spent $203,000 putting it on. Th think about the things we pour in the community. This Beyond Amazing concert, we, we might make 5000 back. We're going to have 20000 in it. And that's on 20% max tithing. We're praying in one accord, God help us reach that community with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you even begin to imagine what this church could do in that community if the other 80% got on board? I can give you one even better than that. Can you imagine what God would do for you? To know you have God's promise that you'll never be forsaken. Could I have you stand this morning? You know what? If you feel like you're putting it all in, and you feel like you're missing something, God ain't holding up his end of the bargain, you feel like something's not working out according to the promise the way it says, come talk to him this morning at the altar. Don't do like me and keep rocks at 2 in the morning and be mad about it. Come talk to him. And ask him to show you. I've had to do that before. God, what am I missing? What am I doing wrong? What, what is it, what is it that, I'm, that I'm doing that I'm so bad I don't even see it, but if you'll show it to me. God, what, what level of obedience am I short on? It's okay to come tell God, thank you for being so faithful. God, thank you for being good for your end when I'm good on my end. Thank you for the promise. Thank you for making a way out of no way. Thank you for showing up when I had no idea where we was going to sleep tomorrow night if you didn't show up on this night. I had no idea what we'd eat tomorrow if you didn't show up today. Thank you for making a way out of no way. Thank you for letting me see you when I couldn't see anything else. Thank you for turning the lights on and letting me see in the darkness of my darkest night of my life that you showed up and made it real. Thank you, God. Thank you for being faithful to your word. Thank you, God, for the many blessings that you've given to me and my family. It could be bad enough that you might not have to worry about tithing because you might not have anything to tithe on. God doesn't have to give us anything. It's by God's grace. It's by God's mercy. It's by God's blessings that he bountifully blesses us. And he says, all I want you to do is give back one-tenth of it. And I'm going to bless you more. You give back 10%, and I'm going to give you another 100%. God just keeps on pouring out blessings. Well, it's not about money. I hope you don't miss that this morning. I hope you don't miss the message. It's not about the money. It's about the relationship. The money is the one thing you have in your life that you will not let go of. And when you have something in your life, anybody paying attention, when you have something in your life that you will not let go of, that is an idol in your life. And God says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You cannot serve God and mammon, for you'll love the one and hate the other. So when you're holding on to a dollar so tight that you won't let it go, it's become an idol in your life. And you're withholding the blessings that God so richly desires to give to you. We're robbing God of the opportunity to bless us the way that He wants to. If I, if I could have all of you heads bowed, eyes closed for a minute. The Holy Spirit does what the Holy Spirit does. And it's crazy how the Holy Spirit talks to everybody in here about something different. That one message went out however many different people's in here. 
He went out that many hundred different ways. And he spoke to everybody in here individually. So whatever God spoke to you about, that's between God and you. That's what he wanted to talk to you about. And for some of you in here this morning, that may have been about salvation. If you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, money is the last thing you need to be worried about. There ain't no amount of money on this planet by your soul out of hell. There ain't no amount of gifts you can offer, nothing you can give. There's nothing but the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can save your soul from hell. If you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, don't worry about money. Don't even worry about the tithe. We'll get to that down the road. You just take care of what's, what's most important. The blood of Jesus cleanses sin. Are you willing to ask him this morning to save your soul? You can ask him, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. There must be a confession of sins of our own mouth. There must be a repentance, a turning away from sins, but the Holy Spirit will help you with all that. There must be first a confession that says, I am a sinner. And I'm asking you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. Save my soul in Jesus' name. If you're willing to say a prayer like that and give your heart to Christ, you're just as much a child of God as anybody else in this building. The price has already been paid. The gift has already been offered. Your salvation will not come to you if you don't ask to receive the free gift that God is offering you. It's not just a simple prayer of the mouth. It's a confession of the heart. God is able to forgive all sin. It's God's will that all be saved, that all come to repentance, that none should perish. It's God's will. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I ask you to come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and save my soul. You give your heart to Christ, that he'd be both your Savior and your Lord. It's based on what Christ did and on the gift that you received. Amen. God, I just want to tell you thank you so much. God, I thank you again for patience, God. I thank you for being so patient with me. God, I, I'm, I'm one of the ones. I'm, I'm one of the Pharisees, God. I'm one of the ones that's looked out across how people dressed or how they worshiped. I'm, I'm one of the ones, God. I'm one of the ones that grew up in that legalistic hogwash and made it all about the law when you yourself came to fulfill the law and teach us that it's all about love. I'm one of the ones. Thank you so much for patience, God. God, I'm, I'm one of the ones that you have to teach. I'm one of the ones that you just keep having to come back and reteach the same lesson sometimes, God. I, I'm, I'm one of the ones. God, all I can tell you is thank you. Thank you for patience. God, I thank you for being patient with us as we learn lessons, God. Lord, I pray you continue to be patient among your people, God. I pray you touch some hearts in this room today. Some of us understand, God. I thank you for even helping me to understand that it's not about the money. You know my heart. God, you know I've always hated even preaching on a passage that involved tithes. But I thank you, God, for teaching me in this. It's not about the money. Money doesn't matter to you. Faith matters to you. Trust matters to you. Obedience matters to you. 
And God, I pray you'd help us to learn something as we walk out of here, God. I pray that some that accepted the challenge today, God, I pray you'd let them see you, Father. God, as we go out of these doors, I pray you would help us to be a blessing to others, God, that people might see Christ in us. God, I pray you'd help us to win this town and all the area around us, our Jerusalem and our Judea. Help us to win our area, God, with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to preach in the Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth the way that your word has told us to, God. I pray you'd bless the finances of this church, that we might be everything you want us to be, God. We love you. Lord, I pray you'd open the windows of heaven and pour out the blessings on the people in this place, God. Bless their homes, bless their families, bless their lives. Put a hedge of protection about them, God. Help us, Father, to be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.